By staying home, you can not only protect your health and that of those around you, but ensure that our healthcare professionals and our healthcare systems can focus on those who need their help. Hello and welcome to Corona Movie Club, my entertainment world's answer to social isolation. Um, so we have a schedule of movies and we're all going to watch them independently in our own socially isolated homes and then three times a week we're going to get together over the internet and talk about them just like your mom's old book club used to do. Um, except now there's nothing old about it because it's all over the internet and we're all social isolating so that we don't help spread the coronavirus around the universe. Um, so we have people from all over North America who are participating and there's going to be different people on each call from the uh, core group. And so every episode, I'm going to come in and introduce the film that we're going to be watching, as well as the names of the people that are going to be on that week's call or that episode's call, because we're going to be doing this three times a week. Um, so I hope you guys enjoy. Let's go to the movies. It's something to do. So we're taking a little bit of a break from our Netflix originals uh, schedule this week to celebrate the fact that a lot of the Studio Ghibli movies are have now been released on at least Canadian Netflix, if not uh, other versions of Netflix. Um, and so we chose to talk about Princess Mononoke, which is a 1997 classic Japanese animated fantasy film. Um, it's considered this huge epic. It's by Miyazaki, who, you know, he's a legend in Japanese animation and film in general. Uh, so this was a really interesting conversation. I personally had never seen a Studio Ghibli film before. Japanese film is one of the huge blind spots in my film knowledge. Um, but we were, jo- I was joined by a few, uh, na- big Princess Mononoke fans and huge, uh, Studio Ghibli fans. Uh, so it was really a pleasure to get to talk to them about this movie that they love so much. Um, so I was joined on this call by Steve Fargo and Saya Floyd. So I hope you enjoy our discussion. That could, I think it's a really interesting one. Well, I guess. Um, yeah, I really liked it. Um, I It's been a while since I'd seen it, so I was just watching it, and I was just really struck by the animation. Like, I don't know. I feel like we take animation for granted, but, like, I was really paying attention. I was like, wow this is just beautiful. And like, even like they had these amazing cloud transitions, which stuck out to me a lot. I just thought it was beautiful. I liked the story a lot. I thought a lot of the themes were very relevant. And I was like, there's a lot of really interesting women characters in this movie. So overall, I was a big fan. And so you had seen it before? Yeah, but it'd been a couple of years. Do you remember how old you were when you first saw it? Probably my 20s. Okay, so you were an adult. Yes. I was in high school when I first saw this. Okay, so nobody saw it when they were a kid. I'd never seen it before. I would consider myself still immature then, but... (laughs) (laughs) But you weren't a child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What did you think, Steve? Well, I've always loved this movie. Um, I haven't seen it in a while, so, like, I'm starting to pick out the odd flaws here and there, but um, I still really love it. And, yes, the animation is amazing I still love every image is like a painting it's it's really great um um, even the gruesome stuff I don't know it's just um I really appreciate the animation 
it was surprisingly gruesome though right like yeah the the there was a guy who got like totally dismembered and there was a bunch of like the boar when it was dying had like goop in all sorts of places and those like weird demon slug looking what well, I don't know they looked like tentacles but also like slugs but I don't know yeah there's there's some mythology there's like some mythology background where there's demons and spirits and they they can be that sort of uh, figure um these tentacles like figures or worm type things oh so that's that, sort of just that like thing. stuff that are not explained but maybe if you're part of the culture you just inherently understand um okay so Sai, so you're half japanese do you know your stuff uh not i am not familiar with that demonology no <laughs> you don't you don't know about the boars with the slugs with the no. slug hairs oh. can't say that i, I don't do. think it's a boar specific thing i think it's just a a demon thing a demon spirit evil spirit thing okay cool yeah. they were gross they were gross and and i'm i'm always like some people say that he intended for children to see this even though i and, and it got a pg rating somehow um but i mean I don't think it like I think if you're a kid you would be frightened or I don't, something. I think, yeah go ahead. I think kids are a lot more resilient like I think especially in American culture we like coddle them but I think like if you just present things to kids they kind of take it as it is and they might be scared but I think kids are curious and a lot more resilient than we give them credit for. I do yeah. think a lot of people the reason I asked you if you saw it when you were kids is I feel like a lot of people did see this when they were kids and have loved it their entire lives. Um, so my my only question, I think if you were a kid in 2020 watching it, you might have a hard time because mostly because of the length more than anything. Yeah. Like it's a really long movie, like two hours and 15 minutes is like, I would complain about that length in any movie, especially kids, an animated movie. But kids do watch long movies, like Never Ending Story, Lord of the Rings. They, they will. Also, but that's, that's my point. Well, Lord of the Rings, I don't think is actually for kids. Um, but the, but that's my point is like in 2020, where kids movies tend to be about 85 minutes. I don't, I think they would struggle a lot, but I think if you showed it to a kid certainly our age but even er like earlier like the kids from who watched like 80s movies they would I don't think have no problem with this movie um in terms of the length and then also in terms of the gore and the content I mean like was it really all that much scarier than Snow White which is in my opinion the scariest children's movie <laughs> or Hunchback of Notre Dame which is dark and terrifying and yeah, horrible but also kids don't really understand why it's yeah, so horrible I mean also Bambi like his mother gets killed that's such a sad thing yeah uh, but the rain in Snow White the rain and the boulder <laughs> I just find that movie really scary <laughs> um I don't know I think yeah I think that 2020 kids might have a hard time but that also could be me underestimating there's also them. like decapitated heads there's I will say as a 31 year old, I was like, that's a lot of decapitated heads in two hours and 14 <laughs> minutes of my time. You put those two things together and I was like, eh. <laughs> Yeah, but it wasn't that graphic, I didn't think. Yeah, I mean, like, no I don't like slugs. I think the slug hairs were really upsetting to me and the goop in the eye and stuff like that. I think well, it was I like that, like it was, I guess, 
scary and gross, but I liked the message that it was tied to like hate and violence. So like you see that the consequence of hate and violence is sort of this um, indiscriminatory, like demonic goop, um, for lack of better words. So it seemed to it fit with the theme. And I think that there is a clear remedy for the situation in that like, don't be an asshole, respect <laughs> was kind of like the solution. So it's not just like an inexplicable um, catastrophe or force. There was like a clear cause and effect, which to me makes things less scary. Yes, but and it also points out just that there are ugly things in the world too, because you he couldn't necessarily prevent this. He was he had to kill the boar because it was going to kill the village or um, destroy the village and his like sister or whatever. And so there's also like he tried to stop the boar by just saying stop <laughs> which obviously wasn't working um so he tried uh the the nice way if you will and then he was forced to then do the violent thing um and then after that uh when he was forced to defend himself again he would it would be even more catastrophic because he had this more evil power in his arm um and sometimes it was taking over him because of his anger his fear um, and so it just like the fear begets more fear, that sort of thing, if you will. Um, so yeah, those messages are really there and symbolic and visual. And, and that's what I, that's another big thing I love about this movie is how they demonstrate the message. Even though I, sometimes I feel like the message of um, to, to see unclouded by hate, which is just love. <laughs> um, which is uh, Lady Eboshi laughs at, which is, I think, one of the best parts of the movie. <laughs> um, uh, just the whole idea of Ashitaka is what, what is his arc here in this movie? Because he doesn't, it seems like he doesn't really have one. It's just like a, he needs to, it's like he's been abandoned by his tribe and He's just going to try and live without them or die without them and, and maybe try and find a cure. Um, and, the, and he becomes involved with this uh, war that's happening or this battle that's happening. Um, but he's trying, he's sort of the moral of the, of the whole story here. He's, people are like, what side are you on? And he's always just like, I'm I'm in the middle, I want you guys to all get along, that sort of thing. Um, and I lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> um, Saya, did you, what version did you watch? So Steve had told me before we started to watch the English dub. Is that what you watched? No, I watched the subtitled version. Cool. Okay, so this is what I'm very interested in. Um, I, Steve, did not love the English dub. I found some a lot of the line readings very awkward. Um, and I noticed that this time too. Yeah, it was really weird, and which I found strange because those are all pretty good actors. Um, so I just found it. It almost was like they learned their words phonetically, but they were speaking English, and that shouldn't have been the case. <laughs> um, so it was weird. Uh, Saya, do you? I guess I guess no one's seen but have you seen both Fargo? Yeah, I I've seen the the Japanese version with subtitles before. 
Um, I don't really remember my experience watching it that way, but I, I'm, I, the subtitles should be exactly the same as the, the English, I believe, because I think it was tra um, transcribed by Neil Gaiman. Um, he speaks is, Japanese? Well, I, I don't, like he did the English script, so I don't know. Oh, interesting. I don't know, maybe someone helped him translate, but he, he kind of put together the sentences, if you will. Okay, so then, Saya, what was the, is that, that just sort of a, you wanted to see it, how the filmmaker made it? Yeah, I think when I watch non-English language films, I tend to, as the default, I just like to watch them in the original language, because I usually watch things subtitled anyway, because, like, I feel like a lot of times people are just, like, really quiet for dramatic, I'm like, what? I can't, <laughs> I always have the subtitles on, so for me, I think ha watching a film in the original language just adds to the environment and the actors reading it, and the few times I have watched things dubbed, it's always been distracting for me. Um, and I just felt like for a Miyazaki film, especially, it's like, I'm like, it's Japanese. And like this, the themes in this movie felt very Japanese. So I was like, yeah, I'm just gonna do my usual MO and just watch it in Japanese with the subs. I mean, I definitely watch it with the, with the original language if it's a live action film, because it drives me crazy that their mouths don't match the sound if it's yeah. an English dub. Yeah. But I figured with um, animation, it would be kind of a wash because it's all you know, somewhat disconnected anyway. <laughs> um, and I kind of thought it would be exactly the same, really, because it would be this a very similar process. Um, but I just found it was awkward. And I imagine the original has a little bit more sort of flow <laughs> to it. It's very strange. Um, and almost felt like it was a dub of a live action movie where everything's kind of like, <laughs> or, oh, what do you think? Like, it was very weird. Um, but, yeah, the apes, the apes in particular, <laughs> which are robotic. It was, it was, it was interesting. Um, but Vargo had told me to watch it that way, and okay. I had put that in the email, and uh, I got feedback from the group email that I when I sent out the invitation to be part of this call. And Scott Garland says, "Ask Vargo if he knows about Miyazaki's producer mailing Weinstein of Weinstein a sword, threatening no cuts be made to the dub." I, I do know about that. Uh, there, there was a lot of cuts that uh, Miyazaki said no to, um, that Weinstein wanted to make about the movie. Like just he, like Weinstein wanted to cut it down time-wise. Um, I, I think that was his main goal. Was it was a time thing? But um, there was Miyazaki was like no. He said no to everything, and I think he also threatened something um, to to keep to keep his full. Did you know he sent him a sword? Because I think that's oh, yeah, the story that's that Scott really wanted you to know about was yes, I, I did I do know about this. Yeah. I do know about this. Yeah. Um okay, so that's I have Where is Scott? <laughs> Where is he? He's in, in the plane right now. No, I, oh, okay. I was yeah. like, why isn't he? No, oh, no, he's he's flying back from uh Alberta. Otherwise he would be here. He was sad to miss it. Oh no. Um but back to go to this cuts thing. <laughs> I feel like this, my point here is to set up for failure because one, we as a society all like to think that the director should get exactly what they want and all directors cuts are best and blah, 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 blah. And like, we all like Miyazaki and like the, you know, artistic, whatever. On the other hand, in a, or not on the other hand, because in addition to that point, also supporting the same point of view is that Weinstein's a monster and we all hate him. That said, it should have been a half an hour shorter. 
he was not wrong. I agree. I, I, I do wrong. agree with that too. I, he was I evil, feel that, but he was not wrong on this particular front. There, there are a few, yeah, there are a few moments I'm just, that I feel like dragged the film down, like, um, but, and also it's maybe the, just the, the voiceovers too, but like the, like Jillian Anderson talking to, as the wolf mother talking to Ashitaka, like that scene I feel drags a lot. Um, I was taking my laundry out of the, out of the washing machine, which is all in the same room. I was right beside my TV. I didn't yeah. miss the thing. Um, during the scene where they eat bark and yeah. I swear to God, I got up from the couch when they started eating bark. I emptied the entire <laughs> washer. I folded all the laundry. I closed the washer, put in a new load. I sat back down. They were still eating bark. No line had been uttered. Just- yeah, that, that, that's definitely something that could be cut down. Yeah. <laughs> we, don't need, we don't need to feed them bark at all. We just don't need to. Yeah, I just, it, I just think all movies are too long. But I also feel like a Grinch because I'm just criticizing this movie that everybody loves and it makes them so happy. And I feel like that's all I ever do. We'll wait until you get to Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah, but I feel like people, like people know that that's too long and really dated. <laughs> and you know, but people love this movie. Yeah. So the, the, the thing about it though, is that there, it, even though it drags, it's more of a like a taking time to breathe sort of well that's obviously the intention yeah but it's but it's not like it's um dragging because the story is not developing or i mean like it's pausing but there's other there's other movies where it's like all of this is just a bunch of action and you can cut it and there's it's look look, it is important to stop and smell the roses this is very true however if all you ever do is smell roses you're just going to be standing next to roses all the time and you're never going to smell anything else. So like, stop it. I just, anyway, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm not going to criticize it anymore because I'm going to get yelled at. Um, Saya, say nice things. Uh, I, I thought it was just the right amount of roses. I liked that there was pauses because um, I think that's just sort of like a trademark as uh, Vargo said, like about like the pauses in Miyazaki film. It's very much about like capturing I don't know, it feels like capturing a place in a sense of time. So for me, like the pauses worked. Um, I don't mind when Annie Baker does it. So I guess who am I to judge? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. What, what else do we want to talk about? <laughs> um, animation style. I don't know very much about animation. Who knows a lot about animation? I don't know anything, but I will say like the trend now towards like 3D animation, like the contrast between that and like, I'm like, this is hand-drawn. Like you can watch this in 50 years from now and I think it'll still be just as beautiful because they put so much effort into every frame and it's just like a painting. And yeah, I don't know. That's all I know is like, I appreciate that this is hand-drawn because when you put too much technology, it's so quickly outdated. So like, I think this will be like a timeless classic for a very long time. I agree. I much prefer hand-drawn. I think it looks better. I think it has a more of a timeless quality. And I I like the idea of the amount of labor that goes into hand-drawn. It just feels really special. Whereas the computer animated ones, I feel like you can make them in a week and that annoys me. Um, Obviously that doesn't include Toy Story, which was the great innovator of the genre, but all the ones that came after Toy Story, I'm just like, okay, that's enough. Um, I will say there was, there seemed to be a little bit of a disconnect for me in between the character animation and the background animation. Um, the background animation very much 
like I'm sure it was painted like it looked like a painting oh, I can um, explain this pardon me I can probably explain what you're talking about Ooh, please yeah. do because then so, the people in the front just kind of looked like standard anime people I, I think this is what you're talking about because I interrupted you but um this also happens in Disney movies and older Disney movies but things that get that move or get affected are a different sort of color than the matte background that is just sort of stationary um so it's just it, it's just a it's a it's like a more in-depth painting in the background where there's a bunch of moving paintings overlaying it as with the things that are moving and in terms of the style and I guess that would make sense in terms of like you have to like the the things that move have to be a simpler design in order to execute the movement right yeah, like, like I, I don't understand why there's a different maybe color or like uh, it's like the number it, it's the detail it's, it's the number yeah, of lines the, yeah, in yeah. each like the people looked more two-dimensional than the Cartoon. backgrounds the backgrounds looked like a painting you could see in a museum yeah um and the the people in the front looked like cartoons beautiful cartoons lovely cartoons but they looked like you know anime characters yeah whereas the backgrounds looked like not like animation but like paintings um and I think that must be a function of, yeah, like the backgrounds were static and in order to animate the people in the front, they had to be simpler because I don't think you could animate something with the look of the paintings in the background, but certainly I noticed it in the section where like all the, the, the forest comes back to life and there are no people in the shot and it's, mm -hmm. so it's just landscapes and it had a totally different look to it. It looked almost like impressionistic. Yeah, and I think the other thing about the moving things is that they usually have some sort of lighting affected to it. So there's like shadows and uh, light things happening to it. And I think that that's what also is affecting the difference because there's usually like a one static lighting happening in the background. Mm. Whereas there's sort of a movement through light happening in these other things. Um, so that could be it. Um, but I, I've always, I've always just, I started noticing that when you start watching, I don't know, I, I think I learned that one day that there's sort of a background there and then you'd start noticing it in so many Disney movies and like everywhere. And that's how you can get the same, uh, I don't know, they, they have similar dances happening in many different mo Disney movies apparently. And Well, certainly you got to think for the animation in order to do that many frames, they standardize a, a bunch of the image and then just change yeah. one element if someone's moving their hand they just use the same image over and over again and just change the hand right yeah um so i could see that you know who would know a lot about this matt yipchuk who's yeah. not here <laughs> i wonder if he's seen this movie he probably has I'm, I'm sure he has he emailed me and told me he could not be here for the next few weeks because he's doing some sort of crazy video a day project for youtube yeah he's oh. watching a halloween movie a day Halloween movie a day as he said like he like he watched Nightmare Before Christmas and he says it's a Christmas movie because it is a Christmas movie <laughs> I've never seen Nightmare Before Christmas it's but I'd also never seen this movie so what do I know I must have had a weird childhood where I missed a bunch of really important things because did I was watching D3 the Mighty Ducks over and, <laughs> over and over again did you like it like did you generally like the movie this one yeah no, I did not. Okay. 
and I feel really bad about that and I feel like a bad person and like I was supposed <laughs> to like it and that it's not really acceptable for me to have not liked it um so I'm just kind of you know trying it, to it definitely yeah. has some flaws that I think it ends abruptly um I feel like some of the the main points that it sets up about the seeing with eyes unclouded with, with hate and all this other stuff sort of gets lost in some of the action in the story. Um, even though it's it's there, but I just feel like the story gets lost. Like it's not hit home or it, um, it just kind of fizzles at the very end. What year did this movie come out? Is it possible that just like its influence on culture, like people have sort of picked up what it did and ran with it. And that's why it's not that interesting to me. 1997. Jurassic Park year. <laughs> okay. That's all, that's <laughs> all I remember. That's a big way to landmark it. Um, yeah, maybe that's it. Because I, I missed Miyazaki completely. Like, I've never seen one of his movies. Um, so I wonder if if it's just kind of, I waited too long and the legend grew and then all the things that it influenced came out in the interim. And I, I was introduced, I had, I had friends who were obsessed with anime, so I got introduced it from them, and then a few, uh, and that was early high school, and then later high school, uh, we actually had a media, like, we had a media studies class, and we watched Spirited Away, um, which is another one of his movies that a lot of people love. That's the only other one that, well, no, it's not the only other one, but that's the sort of other one that you hear about a lot. Yeah. Mm, Hell's Moving Castle. Another yeah, one. and like I've seen, I've been watching his other movies because they're on Netflix. So I've been. They're trying. not in America. I just want to say, I had to watch Max and I felt personally attacked, but. Oh, I'm sorry. That okay. is something that I've discovered. So when we originally made the schedule for this, I just checked what was on Netflix. And the Americans, without fail, have not been able to watch them. Or even the Canadians, like the thing, by the time we got to it in the schedule, it had been taken down. So then I started, in recent weeks, we've just been watching Netflix exclusives. Like things that Netflix right. actually produced because they're going to be on Netflix in every, like everywhere. Um, but then this one, because it was, so, it was such big headlines in Canada that the, the Studio Ghibli movies were coming to Netflix. Um, and just the circles I run in, I got, I saw article after article after article posted about how exciting this was. And I was like, whoa, well, I guess we'll just do that. And I, well, I, I pitched it to you, right? You did, but it was already on a list. Okay. Okay. It was on a list. It was one of those things that like okay. everyone, everyone was posting about the same thing. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. Cause I, I think people who have watched all of his movies, they would still consider Princess Mononoke as one of his best. Um, um, and I, and watch, pardon? More than Spirited Away. Yeah, the, those two are usually like at the top um, on most lists, if you will. Um, uh, and like they're interchangeable, like what, it could be one and two or two and one, that sort of thing. Um, whichever one you think. I, I personally like Princess Mononoke more. Um, but uh, Spirited Away is pretty good. Um, and fun and just, and just different. Like it's, it's definitely, more for kids. Um, so what's the one you said you liked? Howl's Moving Castle. What's that about? Yeah, I think I've seen that one. Is that the Laputa one? Laputa, or is that, or is that the other flying castle? 
it's probably the other flying castle. So it's okay. weird. It's based on a book by Diana Wynne Jones. And I actually like the book more than the movie, but I still like the movie a lot. It's about this, um, I think she's 19 year old Sophie and she gets transformed into an old lady by this witch. And so she decides she's gonna go live in this wizard's house, which is the moving castle in the hopes that he can help break the curse. Um, that's it in a nutshell. But Miyazaki changed it a lot from the book because he introduced these anti-war themes. Because in the book, it's like Hal doesn't want to get involved because he's like this whiny grad student, um, essentially. Um, and he's just an, this moody academic. But in the movie, he doesn't want to get involved because there's like war at stake and there's like a lot of responsibility. Um, so it's interesting. And that's the one I haven't seen yet. Fire demon and it's it's fun. I like the visuals of the, this like moving house that like kind of like walks and it's cool. That sounds really good. <laughs> I enjoy he, it. He actually has a lot of little war war stuff in his movies. Um, he has like Porco Rosso. He has um, the one with the this, the um, the the pilot who is making a war plane. Um, that was his his newest one. I forgot what that's called. Um, yeah, that was actually a good one. Um, uh, yeah, but he also has some fun things like uh, Cat's Return, and which is just like a very cute, I think it's like an hour long um, little movie about, I don't know, it's just, there's like this little world with uh, cats and other animals and it's cute. You can you just like cats. People can put a cat in anything and you'll be like, I like this movie. I haven't I haven't seen the movie musical ha cats yet, which I'm probably would hate. Those are demons. That doesn't have any actual cats in it though, so I don't think it counts. There okay. isn't a single real cat in the whole movie because that would give up the gambit and everyone would be like, wait a minute, are they not real cats? I just Whereas wish there, if there were... are no real cats to compare them to. Your suspension of disbelief will just let you believe. That's not true. It's a you're just a mess. I just I... wish they were in costume, like cat costumes, and not. Yes. No. If they had just done the, they had it didn't belong on any <laughs> movies. It's it's. I'm a big cats on stage lover. I do love the musical, and I won't hear a word against it from the cool kids who think they're too good for it. Um, but it never should have been a movie. And that's, it was insane, an insane thing to green light that really showed that some people don't understand what movies are. Maybe it had been an animated movie and cats were animated. And it's like, just like animated, like hand-drawn or animated, like, like the Lion King by John Favreau. No, no, that sounds scary <laughs> too. Like hand-drawn animated. Uh, still no, because the, the musical, I still think a movie, they would have tried too hard to make it make sense and give it a structure, and that is wrong. And I also think that making it animated would have made it too leaned into, like, the lighthearted kiddiness of it, which I also think is misunderstanding the text. Like, it's supposed to be just, like, weird poetry. It's not supposed to be, like cute you know who would have done a good job of making that studio ghibli <laughs> because they're not afraid to deviate from having too much time you know they would they'd be like you know what? we're gonna stay in this we're gonna pause and smell the roses in this moment 
And they're like, you know what? We're going to lean into the darkness a little bit here because you can handle it. They're not going to make it too cute. So that would be the weirdest crossover of all time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, upsetting. <laughs> so upsetting. But yeah, you're right to bring it back to this. Um, does anyone else have anything they want to say about this movie? I, I think I want to just like say this, this parts of the story I really enjoy. Um, it's like when he gets to Irontown and the whole, um, the like four or five moving parties of the conflict that's going on and, and how these two sides are, they're not villains at all. There's no like, like a lot of people consider this a fantasy, but I'm just like, it's more of a, just an adventure film. Um, because there's not really an evil, a primary, like, like an evil side. There's no evil people. There's just uh, situations that people are in and they have, and they're doing things because of the situations they're in. Um, and like Lady Eboshi is, she needs to defend her town. So she got the, uh, she got this mercenary, um, mercenaries help with the emperor's like soldiers to help with the samurai who are attacking them, but also she needs to uh, she needs to get money, and in order to do that, she has to uh, cut down the forest. But she's also a very caring person. She loves all the people in her town. She cares for she got prostitutes to sort of lead their town um, and not be prostitutes anymore, and give them power. And she has a like leper she's taking care of, and um, I, I don't know if lepers is the correct term. Pe people with um, leprosy? Leprosy, I guess so. Um, I think it's the correct term, Yeah, no? makes sense. Though lepers is usually used as someone you want to like get rid of, you know, people use it now. Right, it's been bastardized, but yeah. it's one of those original use things where is yeah, the original yeah. use still valid even though it's been bastardized? <laughs> I feel like it's not enough of a problem that we've really had that discussion. I feel like leprosy is not as much of a plague on society. So I feel like we don't really, it doesn't yeah. affect that many people. So there's not many people to tell us how they feel about the word. Yeah, it only really comes up in Bible context, I feel like. But if someone with COVID is nearby, you're gonna avoid them like a leper. Like that's what people, like that's a way you could say it. Or you can avoid them like the plague, which is what people say now. Cause that's what it is really. <laughs> Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh -huh, okay I guess we're leaving that thing anyways um I, I also I've also always liked stories with animal talking animals I don't know see I, I don't, don't. maybe that was my problem yeah I almost other than the lion king there's basically no animal things that I care about um I like actual animals I just don't like right, stories right. about animals where they're the protagonists like I'd rather have people like Homeward Bound did have you seen Homeward Bound yes I've seen Homeward Bound for some reason I own Homeward Bound 2 not oh, Homeward yeah. Bound 1 just oh two. um yeah like I don't know like I don't like I don't care about Bambi I'm sorry I just she's a deer there's an over overpopulation problem I don't know <laughs> I'm from southwestern Ontario but like I just I don't know. I, I, the best, so I don't anyway. care about the Aristocats or what are the other animal ones? I didn't, I, I've never really, if I've seen Oliver and Company, I don't remember if I've seen, I don't remember Lady and the Tramp. Like just other than the Lion King, the animal ones, eh. 
So I, I also mean, maybe just talking animals aren't my jam. I also mean animal stories. So like animal farm, I'm interested in, I'm interested in uh, just ways people use animals to tell stories. So the call of the wild, which was made into a movie, but I really like the book. Um, the movie was decent. Was it? The, I just remember the trailer because they played it over everything and that dog was so, they like, instead of just using a trained dog like every other movie in history, they like <laughs> hyper animated the dog and it the looked whole movie so CGI. creepy. The so whole movie so CGI creepy. and they had a person acting as the dog. No. Like Harrison Ford, like Harrison Ford's petting a person acting like a no. dog. It's really, it's really that's upsetting. that's upsetting because I don't mind yeah. it. So that's different because I don't mind that green screeny Andy Circusy thing <laughs> when the the animals are like um, anthropomorphized intensely. Yeah. So they are essentially human beings, but we're what we're looking at is an animal like Planet yeah. of the Apes or the Lion King or whatever. But when there are humans in the story, and then there's also an animal who like doesn't talk and is just a regular old animal <laughs> that should be a regular animal <laughs> they should have passed a dog in the, in the book even though we're not talking about that movie now but in the book um the and the movie the the dog does not talk but yeah because he's just they, he's in the real world where there's just yeah. dogs right like there's also dogs. no there's there's little humans in the story of call on the wild there's a few chapters with humans in it and they sort oh. of expanded that in in the movie, which I think they did a good job in to make it make sense. Um, but because a lot of it is the dogs uh, interacting with the other dogs, and there's a hierarchy of the dogs and moving forward in the uh, and um, the uh, the order of the um, sleigh that they because they it's about dog sledding mostly. Um, and so there's a hierarchy about like an alpha in, in the front and there's like a fight between two dogs. The, uh, the second chapter of the book, the dog gets beaten up a lot. It's really brutal. And to do that with, I mean, you can do that with some movie uh, cutting and magic with an actual dog, but there's a lot of things that they wanted to do that they couldn't do with a real dog. So their, their reason for doing CGI is because they wanted certain expressions that were very cartoony in the movie. They, they were very cartoony, but they needed those expressions to get to portray the story that was going on. Also, if really bad things are going to happen to the dog, that is true that like you can't, it's sort of like um, babies, not so much kid, a little sort of kid actors, but definitely with like baby actors where they can't cry because they don't know how to act. So in order to get them to cry for the scene, you have to genuinely upset that baby. And that's like a weird reality that's kind of like, mm, know that you should upset this baby just to get your shot so with animals it's the same thing right like they can't like you have to upset them or like to hurt them in order to get them to do that thing there's certain things you can get them to do or train them no to problem. be in an aggressive way which is kind of like that's kind of weird yeah but if you're going to get them to like be attacked or something yeah I always wonder that with war movies where you see horses falling down a lot like they get shot and then they have to play dead Ooh. Like in terms of training the horses, I don't understand. Lawrence of Arabia is a big, that that was one of the movies where a lot of, there's a lot of horses in Lawrence of Arabia and a lot of them get hurt. And there's a lot of shit happening. But yeah. but there is a way to do it safely because yeah. you, you do see modern movies do that. And then like, you know, like War Horse, 
they definitely like the human, I don't know what the, the animal control, PETA, whatever representative needed to be on set was definitely on set. And like they passed all the things. Um, so I don't know, but I imagine Lawrence Arabia, they probably didn't because there were probably no standards in place and they probably heard yeah. horses. And I think, I'm not looking forward to that one. You can tell it's been bumped down the schedule a whole pile of times. And it's long, it's a very long movie. <laughs> but unfortunately, Vargo keeps bringing it up because he won't let me just secretly kind of move it off the schedule and just be like, but guys, we're gonna my mom's watch cousin is Feel in the it. Beat on my Netflix. Mom, my mom's cousin is a is a one of the secondary characters in it and it was filmed in Malta. So that's I we have a big connection to it. That's all it is. I know, but it, <laughs> I don't wanna it's it, it's perfectly fine if it ends up never happening. Like I'm letting you know it's perfectly fine if it ends up never happening. There are multiple dance themed teen movies on Netflix that I wanna watch. And we have to watch that dumb Chris Hemsworth action movie that was released on Netflix. Oh, I watched that, that's bad. I'm sure it is really bad, but I'm gonna watch it. Um, Because that's what, that's the only way to ensure everyone can participate is to just do Netflix originals from now on. Because Saya had to watch Princess Mononoke on HBO Max and that hurt her feelings. No, it was more as a personal offense against Netflix. But now I have HBO Max. I can watch all the stuff on there. So I'm excited. I can watch all the Miyazaki films, which I'm going to rewatch all the ones I haven't seen and watch the other ones that I. You get HBO Max just for this? No, I needed to watch some other films for research purposes. And then I, um, there's like, like shows that I've been wanting to watch, but I was like, I'm not going to get it because I already have like other streaming services. So I was like, I'm going to wait till there's like enough things I want to watch and then get it for a couple of months so I can binge everything. That's what you should do. I've been, I keep a very like detailed list of everything that's on every network ever. Um, and then I, once the list is long enough, I do the free trial period and sprint and see how many things I can cram in at once. Right now I'm on my Crave binge, which I have three months to get everything done. But HBO, which is, Crave is like a Canadian streaming channel that like gets you access to Showtime and Stars and HBO, but Stars and HBO is an upgrade. So I currently don't have that, but I will get it because there's a long list of HBO titles I'd like to see. Yes. You should cut this, but I'll I'll give you my password for HBO Max if you want it. But don't put that on the don't let them hear us. <laughs> They'll be on to us. Um, I probably won't cut this, but also so I'm gonna <laughs> tell everyone now that Saya did not give me her password. This never happened. I also don't know if can we get HBO Max in Canada or is that the whole thing with Crave? Is that it's the only way to get uh, it? So I I mean my family has Crave and we get all the HBO stuff with that. Yeah, I actually don't oh, know because yeah. we don't have Hulu in Canada. Weird. Yeah. So that because that's an annoying one because like I could just make my American friends give me their access, but we don't. You can't. It doesn't exist. Um, so I do think Crave. Like you have to get HBO through Crave. So unfortunately, you can't do that. But that's why I'm keeping it in because I don't edit these. <laughs> Um, but just for the record, Sai is a wonderful, generous person <laughs> and would never break the law for any reason. Never. Unless it was the right thing to do because her moral compass is more important than your laws. <laughs> Basically, Sai is the best. And she can kill <laughs> you with her pinky. She does Krav Maga. I'm obsessed with this fact. 
don't do Krav Maga anymore. But I, oh, I was so bummed watching it because I do Naginata, which is like the long spears they had with the the curved blade. I was like, oh, I haven't done Naginata in like nine months because of nice. COVID. How cool is Saya though? She just can have swords cool. and she can fight you with them and not as opposed to collecting <laughs> them like a mediocre white man. She can like <laughs> kill you with them. She's cool. Um, that's all I'm saying. I used to play Soul Calibur and that's one of, one of the weapons of one of the, the women characters. And it's one of the, she, it's the best. It's the best. You know what annoyed me about the women characters? <laughs> a lot of them had way too much cleavage. And I was like, but why? Why is this necessary? In Soul Calibur or in this movie? I feel like that's how their robe would, I feel like the robe would be tighter. Like it just doesn't, it didn't work for me. In Soul Calibur? Yeah. In Soul Calibur? Is that what you're talking about? In in this movie. Oh, in this movie. Like, but why? Like this is an animated movie, which means that they like specifically made that decision and then drew it in individually. They are prostitutes. Uh, formally they are formerly prostitutes who my impression was that they did not like being prostitutes no well so, yeah this is a better living for them for sure well it just it was a little <laughs> moment of boys made this movie that's all oh yeah yeah i didn't think of it from that perspective Ooh. Well, i mean i kind of noticed it but like for me i'm like oh if you're like working long like i feel like because if they're wearing kimonos that you tie it so like you can tie it and there are ways to tie it tightly, but if you're like, they're doing like this all day with, for the listeners, it's like they're pulling things up and down. I wonder if that motion, I kind of thought like, oh, maybe it like naturally loosened. And also they were running that town. So I don't think they thought it was like a threat. Like, and they're, also, um, it's, and, and they're also like women amongst women in, in their workplace. Like there's not really. Yeah, but like women know. amongst women don't just have their boobs. No, I know. It's not I like you guys are, you work naked when you're all work together. Like, yeah, of course not. <laughs> um I just I would love to believe that you're right Saya but I think that's giving the boys who made this movie uh too much credit maybe that it's very possible I just I I was looking at it and I was like I've never seen a kimono fall like that ever (laughs) well like a kimono a ceremony if you're like making like the pretty kimonos those have like layers like, like multiple yeah. layers you need to be tied in there's like a belt like they they take like 10 minutes to put on if like these are working they're probably more like yukatas which are like well not even yukatas but they're like simpler peasant clothes that wouldn't be as complex as being all tied in there no i know i just it okay uh, <laughs> i just noticed it and then i was like that's weird and then i noticed it again and then i was like that's really weird then i noticed it again I like, oh it's not weird anymore i know what that is. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but I like that there were so many female characters good for them I didn't understand what was happening with the accents but I love Minnie Driver which is why I was happy that there were weird accents because I'm pretty sure she can't do an American accent mm-hmm. um, and so they kind of were like well if you're British you're British if you're American you're American go for it um, yeah yeah there was no there was no like, decision to be a certain nationality in the in the dubbing I think yeah, well, Minnie Driver can't do American. She's British in absolutely everything. And that's fine by me because I love her and she's flawless and has kept her curls despite all of the Hollywood pressure not to. I, I do remember one note about uh, Billy Bob Thornton who plays the uh, the short mercenary guy. Mm-hmm. Um, that his delivery, he was having trouble with delivering the lines in time with like the mouth, the melding and, and everything. But at one point 
uh, he just started saying things kind of matter of factly, just like, and and it ended up working for him and and the character got its own little i don't know like he became a sort of matter of fact kind of character and an understated like villain in a way because like you don't you don't really expect him to be a villain right away he just seems to be this kind of all-knowing kind of guy at first so i was wondering that because i do think if i had watched it in japanese I would have felt that I would have been like, oh, this is like a, a cute kind of like wise character, he's side kind of sidekicky feeling. He's probably harmless because he was Billy Bob Thornton. I didn't trust him for a second, <laughs> and I was like, oh, when are you going to turn on us? Because he was Billy Bob Thornton. So I think that was interesting. Like some of the because they did go with stars for the English cast, which I found kind of strange because especially in 1997, that wasn't a thing as much yet it, um you might have one star in your animated movie but you would have like voice actors do it yeah. um so i thought it was odd that they had these big stars because they do all bring baggage and they bring expectations and familiarity and all that kind of stuff to it which i thought was interesting and i'd be intrigued to know how they how that changes the characters i'll probably watch it again in the uh, original, just to see, I'll, like recent, like I'll watch it soon because I want to really compare that. Well, let us know. <laughs> um. Okay. Final thoughts, anybody? And then we're gonna hang up. Um. Those forest spirits were adorable, and I like. I don't want to live in the past because like healthcare and rights and stuff like that. But also, I was like. It would be fun to like ride around a deer friend or a wolf and just live in the forest. I don't know. I know they didn't do that in the past, right? Like people never rode. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know. This was this is when like history and myth meets, which is a setting I love. I love it when it's like history, like you, you have like this magical world and it's kind of like fading into like modern history. I love that kind of setting. So in that time, in the time that actually happened when history meets myth, that's when I would live and ride my wolf and dear friends around the forest. All right. <laughs> well, Steve, I would have asked you, but I want to end it there because that was cute. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> All right. Bye guys. See you next time. Bye. Thank you.